What's going on, everybody? It's another episode of Left Side Heavy, the podcast presented by Blue Wire Hustle. I'm your host, Jevin LeFave. You can follow me on Instagram at Jevin.LeFave, on Twitter at JevinLeFave. Find everything for the show on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Left Side Heavy underscore. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, Left Side Heavy, where you can find full video podcasts today or this episode. Um, I'm welcoming on Michael Bartner, TikToker. Just a great guy all around. He was on uh, the free agency episode uh, a few months back. And we're bringing on Vancouver beat reporter Jeff Patterson. It was, it was a very fun conversation with both of these guys. Um, talked to Michael on Tuesday evening um, with up-to-date um, topics on the Kyle Beach Chicago Blackhawks situation and updates all around the league, standings, where teams at. Some topics may have been left out just because we were on a time crunch, so I apologize if you wanted to hear something that wasn't necessarily talked about, but uh, it was a fun conversation otherwise. And then the Jeff Patterson one, it was an interview back prior to the start of the 21-22 season, and I talked to him about um, how the Canucks looked. kind of what to expect from the season and his journey through the broadcasting industry, how he got connected with Bell Media, Sportsnet, um, how he dealt with the TSN layoffs. It was a very fun and cool conversation with Jeff. And yeah, I just hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, Be sure to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts to help grow the show. And yeah, enjoy the episode. It's episode 66 of Left Side Heavy, the podcast presented by Blue Wire Hustle. I'm your host, Jevin LeFave. You can follow me on Instagram at Jevin.LeFave, on Twitter at JevinLeFave. Find everything for the show on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Left Side Heavy underscore. Be sure to head to the YouTube, subscribe to the YouTube channel, Left Side Heavy, to help grow the show. You can find the full video podcast there. I'm welcoming back recurring guest, Michael Bartner. How's it going, man? That sounds great to hear. Recurring guest, second time here. I'm ready to get into it. Uh, last time we talked was like late July, recapping free agency and stuff. Yeah. I am hyped up now that we actually have been playing hockey. I'm ready to talk about it. Yeah, the first legit season in quite a bit longer than a lot of us has probably wanted yeah it, it, it's great it's great finally not playing set the same seven teams every like three weeks so that, that's definitely welcomed yeah exactly but uh what have you been up to lately <laughs> nothing much dude just post it on my tiktok go follow it mb on hockey tiktok instagram all of that but yeah besides that just pumping out as much content as i can and uh try my best are you in school right now yeah, yeah, University of Miami senior year. Senior year, right? getting ready to enter the real world. It's a scary time. The adulthood sure. is getting real. It's getting mm-hmm. real nowadays. But uh, what are you studying? I'm studying finance. Try trying finance. to go into something in like wealth management. I, I might not be the rich person, but I, I can help manage their money. You know what I'm saying? That's fire. That's fire. <laughs> but um, 
Yeah, we're here to talk some NHL hockey, kind of update on the season. Um, there's going to be some ups and downs throughout this episode, and we're going to start with the down as unfortunate and something that I don't like talking about and not a lot of people have liked to talk about, but the Kyle Beach situation and the Chicago Blackhawks scandal has started, like it's hit its peak now. Um, it was all confirmed. Brad Aldrich, the accusations against him from Kyle Beach was confirmed. And it was a devastating day for hockey. Um, it's a very sad situation. And just the, uh, did you read any of the report that came out? I, I didn't fully read the report, but just the fact that those high executives met and just kind of brushed it off and we're just like we'll wait till after the playoffs like it's yeah. not that important it was just it was just so gross and i'm happy that bowman resigned resigned obviously got fired quenville gone shovel day off not yet but uh hopefully maybe he'll eventually resign but yeah i'm happy that people are being held accountable though yeah so if no one knows if you haven't heard um kyle beach uh accused um, Brad Aldrich, the video coach of the Chicago Blackhawks back in 2010, of sexual assault. And it was a ongoing investigation that was brought up and confirmed. And it went a lot deeper than a lot of us expected. Um, five members of the front office met after Chicago secured their spot in the Stanley Cup Finals in 2010. And they talked about what happened. And then they brushed it under the rug because they were too busy playing for a Stanley Cup. And those names in that room were Stan Bowman, John Quinville, and Kevin Shoveldayoff. All three guys who had, at least from what I know of for sure, had jobs in the NHL. And was it just Quinville and Shoveldayoff who lied about it i think shovel day off I, I know for a fact quenville did i'm pretty sure shovel day off did did as well um i will say this about shovel day off this might sound like a hot take but like he was kind of the lowest ranking so it is tough yeah. like quenville i think absolute garbage not yeah. doing anything. bowman was gm gm but like shovel day off wall i think he probably should have resigned I do see the logic where like you're not gonna risk the future of your career when you're a low-level executive but he probably should have done something, especially after they were done on their Stanley Cup. Once once he had his own job, something should have been done by him. But what doesn't make sense to me is if they just gassed Aldrich on the spot. Yeah. All their jobs are safe. They're yeah, they like it doesn't necessarily hamper their run on anything. It's mm -hmm. like as Obviously, it'll sit with everyone not well, but it saves yeah, everyone's career. It'll mm -hmm. save it'll save everyone's career. Just say like you're either fired or you resign right now. Yeah, like you're done. Yeah, it's he, yeah, it wasn't the video it, coach. It wasn't like it was Quenville that was doing yeah, this. Yeah, exactly. Coach. It's not an you assistant got, coach. Yeah. And I just, I don't understand why kicking it under the, like, just get rid of him right away. Yeah, like, it's not that valuable. 
it's it's something that needed to be addressed, and I feel terrible that someone that vulnerable in Kyle Beach had to go through something like that. And yeah, it's just where uh, where were you when you heard that it was confirmed? I think I was just in this room. Just I think I was about to make it. No, actually, actually, no. Actually, what happened was I was heading to class, and I literally skipped that class to go make a TikTok on him. So I was like, I got to get this out. But like, yeah, speaking on like what happened, like I think they could have gotten away with just pushing it off until the Stanley Cup run. But if they came out and was like, oh, this happened, like we're firing him. The problem was he just uh, Brad Aldridge just resigned, then goes to work with the high school. And sexually assaults another kid. Like yeah. If they ousted Brad Aldridge after the cup, it would definitely be shady. But like you still held this guy accountable, got him out of there, exposed him to the public. The problem was they got rid. They they had him resign, and then just let him yeah. go take a job with children who were even more vulnerable. I think that's and they like, off bad, and letting him kind of walk through yeah. is horrible. And they referred him too. Like they gave yeah. him like a reference letter and everything, which I yeah. think makes it even worse mm-hmm. for them. Like if they denied, declined to do that, and they actually like fired him instead of just made him resign, like you yeah. said, he would have been out of hockey. I mean, yeah, it, yeah. like because he got convicted in like 2013 of mm-hmm. the sexual assault in the high school that he then went to work at after. Yeah. If it came out earlier, then another kid's life would have been saved. Definitely. And then and there was that, th- there was that thing from Batman where he was like, he, the NHL wasn't going to reach out to the kid and help him out. Even though like it was proven true in like a court of law, like he's like, we need to do more research into this situation. It's like, there was a whole court case about this. Like Gary Batman has handled it horribly and i'm seeing like maybe this will finally get him to step down hopefully because he's just been across the sport i think a pretty bad commissioner so if this is the uh, what makes him have to resign hopefully that's the case like yeah i have it in my notes like is bettman going to be gone because quenville's gone and shovel day off isn't yet and as much as he was like nine months into his job or something like that and he was bottom yeah. of the totem pole you still have this is still something that I th- you probably I, should. Yeah, I don't think levels because. really come into effect. Yeah, in my opinion, like everyone has a voice. Like you can start like threatening to expose like anything to save your ass. Because if anything, it's Kyle Beach's life is needs to be like handled well, priority number like, one. Yeah, priority, and then like it saves his career because if this comes out and it, shows that you were in a meeting and didn't do anything about it, then like you're immediately looked at as just as much of a villain because he didn't do anything about it. Mm -hmm. And so shovel day off, we'll see what happens. But yeah, he was assistant GM or something like that. So, but yeah, John McDonough still hasn't addressed any sort of media towards it. And he's, he was the head of it all. Yeah, this is happening. So that's just another toxic situation. But um, do you think because as much as Bettman's helped grow the game in years past, do you think he's going to be gone? I mean, how old is he? I feel like like he's 70. Yeah, I feel like he's regardless going to be gone in five years. But You just can't have him being like an old head. But I think he won't. I think it'll take 
another scandal for maybe him to like then like the like the mounting pressure like is starting to build on him. If there's another thing or the league financially doesn't recover that well from COVID, because, I, because there was reports that owners are starting to get like mad at him. And they're all yeah. that matters, really. He he reports to them. He doesn't really report to the fans. As long as you can keep the owners happy, you're going to keep your job. And yeah. right now, it seems like they're starting to not like it. Yeah, because it's just like it's hard because apparently Bettman only needs, what, eight votes to stay in? Yeah. And yeah, you, you need an overwhelming majority. So it's going to like, no matter how much a amount of owners don't like him, yeah, there's still a good chance that he's going to stay in no matter what. Yeah. And it's just a very hard situation to gauge because, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a very unfortunate situation. And I feel terrible that Kyle Beach had to go through. And I think Definitely. he's extremely courageous to step out and finally... Mm-hmm. And I think the quote that hit me the hardest is that it's finally not his voice against theirs. It's yeah, now it's public truth. Yeah. And it's finally the truth is revealed for him. Obviously, everything's not finished yet. There's still a long way to go. But to f- get this to the surface is huge for him. And I'm happy for him that this finally um got exposed yeah get some closure yeah the other thing was like yeah when it was first looked into like the blackhawks like vehemently denied it and then like in their press release once they got exposed they're like we feel so bad for kyle it's just it's just so scummy and so two-faced yeah. they just gotta basically clear house and try to start fresh i don't know if that means remove the logo remove shit like they might they might i wouldn't be shocked if they do like full 180 completely re-brand. yeah complete rebrand yeah. yeah, it'll be uh, interesting what the next step is, but um, we'll move on. Um, I think this has been talked about, not necessarily talked about enough, but it's talked about enough to that everyone is finally aware of what's going on. And I just hope this isn't like more shit comes out because I really like once the floodgates open, like once yeah. one thing is brought up, then other players if they went through the same thing then they might start releasing stuff i'm just scared that like this hasn't happened more yeah there, there's some scandal brewing with the penguins like ahl team i think i saw i'm not sure the, exactly the details i'm sure we'll find out more but yeah yeah let's let's hope there's no more stories but i mean with hockey culture it like early 2000s it wouldn't shock me at all if there was more of this stuff yeah not at all not one bit as unfortunate as that is but um We'll uh we'll go through the league and kind of touch on yeah. updated stuff. Go through some positive things. Let's go through some positive things. Uh, we'll t- start with one positive thing: the Metro, Carolina, eight zero and zero to start the um start the season. They've been unbelievable. Freddie Anderson, yeah. I was completely wrong about him. I was just more skeptical than saying he was going to be bad, just because of how he played in Toronto. But, yeah. man, Carolina is just Tony D'Angelo. Like, they yeah. are a wagon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I never doubted Freddie. Just he's played kind of like the past two seasons hurt. So, like, he finally really shut it down in Toronto last year, got healthy. And I think him healthy is a 
top, I'd say, eight to 13 goalie in the league. I mean, you look at last year, they had Mrazik and Reimer, who are yeah. okay 1Bs, but Freddie's a clear upgrade. I thought they were going to be a lot worse. I, I knew they were going to make the playoffs. I knew they were going to be around that country point team. But, I mean, they look like they could win the President's Trophy. Their yeah. top nine is absurd. Like, they, it's absolutely loaded. They have two superstars in Aho and uh, Svechikov. And, yeah, the defense, Tony D, getting a second chance. I know yeah. people hate him with an absolute passion, but he has offensive talent. And if you yeah. partner him with a good defensive pair, he can be very effective. He can be very effective. Yeah, and just all that talent. And then Brendan Moore is still proving as to why yeah. he deserve that, deserves that extension mm-hmm. because the Carolina owner has been known to be on the, the cheaper side. Yeah. So it was wondering, like, is Brendan Moore going to come back? He said he was willing to take less to have everyone in the coaching staff come back, trainers, yeah. assistant yeah, coaches, great. goalie coaches. Mm-hmm. And he comes back, and you can tell that did huge for this team. Yeah. Because players, I relate this a lot to the NFL, players, they always look at, like, okay, I did well here. I'm going to go and chase the bag, and then I'll – they always think that they're going to do the same somewhere else, but they don't yeah. have what they had back on their old team. Mm-hmm. Like like Odell, when he was on the Giants, he was one of the best receivers in the league. He went and chased the bag, or like he wanted out because he wasn't doing good enough, and now he's like not Trash, even in the yeah. top fifth. Like he's it's not the same. But once you bring everything back, that chemistry, that culture stays, and yeah. it just it grows even stronger. And I think that's a perfect example here in Carolina. Yeah, him, him and Trotz, in my opinion, are like just on another level coaching-wise yeah. because it's not even their systems. It's the culture that they bring to their teams, just hard-nosed defensively. Like, I'm going to be honest, like a lot of NHL coaches are just easily replaceable. Like, they ain't shit. Like, the John Hines of the world. <laughs> are you trying to say Travis Green? <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, Brindamore and Trotz, dude. They they got to both. I mean, they got to their jobs at the same time. Yeah. Carolina and Islanders were both like sub eighty point teams. Now immediately playoffs, immediately contenders. Both have been yeah. to Eastern Conference Finals with not a ton of talent. I mean, Carolina's loaded now, but uh, yeah, they're they're just on another level, in my opinion. The two yeah. clear best coaches. Yeah, I I, uh, I completely agree with you there. Uh, the Rangers they brought back their guy Adam Fox on a seven year nine and a half million dollar AAV extension what's your uh thoughts on the contract i i think it's solid i mean like he's in that mcavoy uh mccarr kind of tier eight 9.5 million the only problem is like that they don't have a lot of money now they, if caco probably won't get a ton laugh might get a decent amount but like they're gonna have to move on from truba and Kreider. but the fox deal itself is perfectly fine perfectly market value probably a little bit cheap when you look at yeah i mean like the seth jones is uh i think Rowenski's making like about that much and then dowdy and carlson for some reason are making like 11 million each. but uh yeah I, I think it's a very solid deal it just when you get when you give truba and Kreider, i think truba's what eight million and then Kreider's seven million the contracts start building up and you start running into like a toronto-esque situation which could really hurt them in the long run and this guy was shipped off twice. Yeah. That is unbelievable. Yeah. Because I, yeah, I was listening to Spit and Chicklets around the time when Dougie Hamilton got traded from Calgary to Carolina because he was involved in that um, yeah. deal, right? And it was the free agency that Tavares was like, where's he going to go? Mm-hmm. And Kevin Hayes was saying, 
I remember him saying, he's like, Carolina's going to win this deal if Adam Fox turns out the way that. Yeah, Adam Fox was almost like thrown in there, like kind of yeah. like, like he was just, just like Hannafin Hamilton and like Fox yeah. is probably is better than both now. Yeah. But um, yeah, and, I mean, Adam Fox, I don't love how he handled the situation getting to New York. Like he like he refused to play for the Carolina, which like, bro, you were a third round pick. Like, I don't think yeah. you have you're not Eric Lindros. I mean, he turned out to be very good, but like I didn't love how he handles yeah. himself getting to the Rangers. But I mean, it was his hometown team. And uh he's been great for them. I think they traded like a second round pick for him. So that was an absolute steal. Yeah. It's obviously like in hindsight, it's an awesome deal. But um Washington. Ovechkin won't fucking age, bro. Yeah. I thought this was gonna be the year that he scores like 39, 40, but with Awesome Matthews having a horrible start, it's looking like it's his rocket or start to lose again. I mean, if he keeps scoring at this pace, why not? Yeah. I think he's gonna catch Gretz. If he puts up 50 this year, he's gonna need what, like 25 a season for like four or five more years. I think he's easily gonna catch it. People don't understand this is that he doesn't have to average, he doesn't have to get 40 goals in four seasons. Yeah. He's gonna play like six more years he can get yeah, like he signed so he signed yeah. for like five or six yeah he can get 20 goals 25 yeah he's gonna have a 45 goal year somewhere in there yeah, like yeah this, this year once if he gets 45 this year then it's like the amount that he needs over the next four or three yeah, dramatic drastically go down yeah. so like i think he still has this year probably 45 next year 40 and then he'll only need like a hundred more goals i i think he has it easy yeah, and he still went through two lockouts and two COVID-shortened seasons. Yeah. He's easily the that, best goal scorer like, of yeah. all time. Easily, like, no doubt about it. Yeah, I'm an, I'm an Irish fan. I, I called him that one time. People were like, Mike Bossy. I'm like, oh, we put up Mike Bossy-level numbers in this generation. Like, Mike Bossy, don't get me wrong, 50 and 50, legendary. But, like, the, sure he had the like eight straight 50-goal seasons, too, or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, Ovi. Yeah, he has most. I think he has most rockets by far. He's gonna. Have, he might get double digits. He's, I think this will be his ninth. So yeah, he's another level. It's uh, yeah, it's quite unbelievable. But um, who's been your most uh, surprising team, negative or positive, in this division? In the Metro? Yeah. I would probably. I would probably, I mean, it's got to be Carolina. I mean, like, just to be undefeated. If not, I'd probably go with the Rangers. They've looked very good. Uh, what are they? They're like 6-2-1 and one or something, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think I had to make it in the playoffs. I think they're going to be fighting through. But uh, Igor Shosturkin is nuts. I, I, can rec- I can recognize real. And he's stolen, like, three or four games that they had no business at all winning. He's probably, he's, I think he's definitely a top-10 goalie already. He could easily sneak into the uh, Vesna Vesna race this year. Him and him and Markstrom. Who would have thought? Like at this point, yeah. he's living up to the hype for sure. But yeah. um, updated standings on Car- uh, the Metro. We got Carolina Rangers, Washington, Columbus, Philly. Yeah, Columbus is playing very good too. Philly at five, Jersey Islanders, and Pittsburgh. Mind you. From eight to four, it's within two points. So it's still early yeah, they're, on. They're all obviously. above five hundred. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. crazy. It's a it's a competitive division. But um, my surprise is the Islanders. I didn't expect them to be low because of the Barry Trot system. But lots yeah. of hockey to be played. Uh, yeah, the, yeah. Three, three, two, and two. You're not you're not digging yourself yeah. a hole or anything. Like yeah. you're, you're in the mix. Hundred percent. The Atlantic. 
Uh, we got Florida, Buffalo in second, Tampa third, and then we got Detroit, Toronto, Boston, Ottawa, and Montreal sitting at four. Um, we're gonna start by probably the big one coming out. Caulfield sent down to the AHL. Yeah, people are gonna say, yeah, like oh, people called him for the Calder. I didn't see him winning the Calder. I just I didn't yeah. have a feeling. I think. Obviously, the playoffs helped him, but I just I didn't I wasn't feeling it. Mm-hmm. I like this move. I don't hate yeah. it. Get better. It's- better to do it early on in his career than having to send him up and down, up and down, up mm-hmm. and down, and try to let him find it. Like send him down, let him be confident. He was ripping it up before he came up in the playoffs last year, so I'm sure he'll find his stride there. Let him gain some confidence before you kind of yeah. ruin him in the NHL. Yeah, I, I I like it. I mean, like, let him, instead of playing 13, 14 minutes on your third line once you, like, demote him, let him just go to the HL, be the guy, play 20 minutes, score, like, 40 goals in a season. Yeah, you, you get nothing out of him just getting dominated by other teams, top players, lowering his confidence. He's yeah. what, like 20, 21? Like it's fine. And, and no offense, like the Montreal season, it's it's already kind of a wash. Like let, let, let him play 30, 40 games down there and then bring him up for the for the last 20. Yeah. It's I think we have to start normalizing that. Like yeah. you don't have to play your top picks in the NHL so soon. Like you don't yeah. have Capo to Capo Caco, prime example, he was Horrible his rookie year. Yeah. He was one of the worst in the league. Yeah. I mean, he, he granted he took another stride in his sophomore year, but he should have been playing back in Finland or whatever. Yeah, it's you have to normalize not rushing your rookies. And yeah, mind you, unlike Travis Green, where he doesn't really know what to do with the rookies, it's like yeah. he's instead of sending them down, we're scratching them and then playing them. Yeah, that's just eight minutes yeah. and then scratching him because he's not doing enough within that eight minutes. And then it's we'll get to him later. Yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah, uh, Morgan Riley signs an eight year, seven and a half million AAV stay in Toronto. Um, I don't know where they're heading, what direction they're heading. Yeah. Like I don't mind. I don't hate the contract for Riley. I think he's good enough for seven and a half. Like I, I don't think that's a bad contract at all. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they have like five players taking up like sixty percent of the cap, yeah. and it's like, come on. Yeah, I, 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 I don't like the deal. I, I would have been gone like six point five, six point seven five. He's just not a true no- number one. He needs like a TJ Brody to play with, like a more of a defensive guy. It's just I would have traded him at the deadline, gotten like a another top four and like depth because dude, you're so top heavy. And like I see Leafs fans being like, oh, Seth Jones got 9.5. One team's dumb move doesn't justify you playing a player. Yeah. Throw out Seth Jones. If you look at Kale McCarr getting nine and Morgan Riley getting 7.5, that makes Morgan Riley's deal not look very good. So yeah. like, is is it horrible? No, but yeah, as you said, like. You can't be paying these many, these much, these these players this amount of money. I just, I I don't like it. I'm I'm yeah. I I've let it sit for a couple of times, and I, I'm not I'm not a fan. Like the contract Excel itself isn't the worst. Yeah, it's slightly above market value, and it, it's just a situation of the Maple Leafs yeah. that this contract doesn't sit well 
yeah, with me. If there like, was a different team and they had money, yeah, it's, it's fine. Like if Carolina's signed Morgan Riley in the offseason to this yeah. contract, I'd be like, that's not terrible. Like Carolina doesn't spend that money. They probably have the cap space. They'll be fine. But, I mean, Toronto's like handcuffed for seven years now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think it's yeah, he's yeah, eight years. It's just, it's just Kyle Dubas just always wants to. He, he can't he can't get a fair deal. Like he yeah. always overpays like by a slight amount, and it's it's adding up. Especially, especially like Sandy. What if Sandine and Robertson like actually pan out? You're gonna have to let him walk. Yeah, because you're gonna have literally no money to pay them anything over five million. Yeah, like you look at Morgan Riley, like you let you let a Zach Hyman go, and then you give Morgan Riley seven point five. I'm not not in love with that. Are you worried about their slow start? I, I am because I thought I thought before they were a wild card team. I don't think they're better than Boston, Florida, and Tampa. And while, while they kind of have gotten it back on track, I mean they got to play Chicago, which like that's every team's like dream right now. <laughs> but uh, um, <laughs> to like to like stop the slump. Uh, but they're obviously like their shooting percentage was so low. They're gonna be in the hunt. But when Leafs, when they were like two four and one, Leafs fans were like it's absolutely no big deal. And I'm like. Uh, I I don't know about that I, because they can't they can't be playing against Florida in the first round without home ice. They're gonna lose that. They need to play good in the regular season and maybe get home ice in order to win the playoffs. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of concerning because now I feel that they're in this gray area where they're not in a situation to win a cup. Because yeah, Matthews looks is I think he's probably the only one on the team that's worth the money that he's getting paid. Maybe even yeah. Nylander. Yeah, I'd say Nylander. Nylander I think Nylander's bad. fair. What is he seven, like seven nine or something like that? No, like, no, I think just seven. I think it's like six nine seven actually. I think that's yeah. a good deal for Nylander. He yeah. can put T- up. Tavares 30. is horrible. Tavares' deal is. That's one. Of, I that might be one of the worst contracts in the NHL. Yeah, I'll say that right now, but. Yeah. And then Mitch Marner is incredibly inconsistent. You don't know what you're going to get on a daily night. Yeah, when he gets five points, he's worth the money. But when he's dashed three to zero points, he's not worth the money. But, yeah, I don't know. I I just don't know where they are as a team right now. And I think that should be concerning as a fan base. But I think Campbell's playing good. I think that's good to see. And then sooner or later, their players are going to get hot. They might squeeze into playoffs, and then we'll see where they go from there. But... Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the rest of the season pans out for them. But Buffalo's in second place right now. Are they going to win the cup, bro? <laughs> Did we? I had them like preseason. Pre- I had them getting like fifty-five points, so I look like the biggest freaking idiot right now. Obviously, going to come back to down to earth. Like, I maybe they can get like eighty points. That wouldn't shock me with this hot start. They're definitely playing good, but they're 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 a fluke. They're going to come back down. Unfortunately, I would, nothing I would love more if like. Detroit and Buffalo make it and like oh my Tampa gosh. and Toronto don't like those cities would burn. That would but, be uh, unbelievable. They, they've been very good. Jeff Skinner looking like a $9 million player. Uh, Darlene's actually looking pretty solid. That That's like the one guy that you need to like develop yeah. to have any future. But if, if I'm an Arizona fan, I'm very happy that Buffalo is playing this good. Be Shane Wright. Shane Wright's coming. Shane Wright's coming. Um, I, I don't think it's fair to Florida if we just breeze over them because they've been playing yeah. absolutely unreal hockey right now. But Brovsky's finally 
playing up yeah. to his contract, which pisses me off because I had him last year in fantasy, and then I could have picked him, and then I'm like, nah, he's trash, and then now he's yeah. like a top ten fantasy. I don't think he was drafted year. in my league. Yeah, yeah it, it'll be interesting to see how they like react to Quenville stepping down, obviously. But I mean, they're they're top nine loaded. Uyghur and Ekblad are in maybe Yo, the best pairing and a deep pairing in all hockey. I think they are, like man. Yeah, I think they are. Ekblad yeah. and Uyghur. Uyghurs come like I've seen your opinions on Uyghur, and I could not agree more. He yeah. is he's emerging as like a top fifteen defenseman in the mm-hmm. NHL at this point. He is it's been so, so rapid too. Yeah, yeah, because he was like he was like a no one at the start of last year, and then halfway through the season, he started yeah. like. Getting, he had like twenty-seven even strength points, and he had yeah, like yeah, thirty-five points. Thing, yeah. Like all of his points were even strength. He was a plus like twenty defenseman, yeah, which is so hard yeah. to come by. Even mm-hmm. like on a team that gave up a lot of goals against, and he was still in the positive factor. He's just a solid defenseman. Mm-hmm. And I think I do. Ekblad's playing unreal. Sasha Barkov, Huberto. I mean Verhage. Like yeah. that team is just. They're playing well right now. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not trying to say like this is like their cup or bust year, but like next year the Barkov contract does kick in and then Huberto is going to get paid after that. So they're going to lose $10 million in cap space, but those guys are making like 5.9 this year or something yeah. nuts. So like they better capitalize on their great contracts right now because they're probably going to lose over Hagee or, uh, I can't even think. Oh, and tip it when he has to get yeah. signed. Like they, they they need to capitalize this season, get at least to an Eastern Conference Finals. They need to make a deep run. Yeah, they need to. And if they Definitely. if it's a first round exit, then if they lose to Tampa, they they need to shut down the franchise. Like, yeah, that would be embarrassing. Yeah, it's it's something. But um, uh, Detroit's playing well. Yeah. Um, they're two rookies. Raymond yeah. Raymond and Cider are. Those guys are unbelievable. Those guys are going to be very good. I, yeah. I I slept on both of them. I did not realize because I don't follow like the yeah. SHL, like my follower. Oh, these are they're amazing. I'm like, let me yeah. see them in the NHL. And yeah. They're absolutely killing it. Yeah. They're, they're, they're probably going to be fighting each other for the Calder at this point. Yeah. No, I, uh, I agree with you there. But um, we'll uh, move on to the Central. Uh, St. Louis is sitting at top with Winnipeg second, Minnesota third, Nashville fourth, Colorado fifth. Dallas sixth, Chicago seventh, and Arizona at the bottom. St. Louis bringing it back. They're doing well yeah. right now. Uh, Benny is well. playing well. Um, definitely making his case for the Olympic roster right now. Um, I didn't have him on Team Canada, but I mean he's definitely proven a lot of people wrong. Colorado sitting in the middle, which I don't think a lot of people expected, but from Six to seven points and first has twelve. So it's five point swing from six to one. So it's a, yeah. it's an open division. Yeah, I mean Colorado, Devontae's hasn't played a single game. Uh Rantanen's hurt now. McKinnon was hurt to start the season. The, they'll be fine. Uh St. Louis, Tarasenko is playing amazing right now. They're probably gonna still end up trading him, but like that contract looked like untradeable before the yeah. season, and now they'll They'll probably get a pretty good haul for it. But um, everybody else, yeah, like it's going to be a pretty bunched up division once Colorado gets going. But yeah, I think St. Louis is going to make the playoffs based on this start. And if you're a Colorado fan, it'll be, I think they're definitely worse than last year, but they're still like a 108 point team. Yeah. Tampa will just throw someone on LTIR and then trade for Tarasenko. 
that would be legendary. Yeah, I, I'm saying <laughs> I was Eichel. Like, if I, if I was the Islanders, I would just toss them on LTIR, go all in this year, yeah. and, then, and then just straight up <laughs> in the offseason. Yeah. Get, get the picks and uh, shit back. Once, once everybody sees it's healthy, yeah. then maybe you make a profit, dude. <laughs> big brain, big brain. Hire, big brain hire, move. Yeah. Big brain move. Man, I, I swear to God, if Vegas gets Eichel, I'm going to throw hands. Yeah. I mean, dude, Vegas, Vegas, like, I don't think they're going to miss the playoffs because the Pacific's so bad, but... You got Stone. You got Stone hurt. Yeah. Uh, Patchetti hurt. Carlson's out six weeks now. It, they're they're gonna Edmonton Oilers probably gonna be ahead of them. Yeah. Like come come mid January. Yeah. But um yeah Chicago brutal start. Dallas is a team that I can't necessarily get a grip on. Sagan yeah. is still another slow start to a season, which yeah. Jamie even, Bennett's like two points in eight games. Yeah, too. it's just it's concerning. From a, mm-hmm. like they didn't really jump on, they didn't really look into the future on like, okay, these guys are slowing down. Maybe we should yeah. think about trading them while their value is high. But now it's almost like I think there's you can't uh, trade them. within yeah. the next couple of seasons, there's they're going to be in like a situation where they just have to blow it up and then start from. Yeah, I mean, yeah, kind of, I, yeah, just build around Heiskin and Robertson and Hints are all very good. Yeah. But yeah, it, it'll be tough when you got to trade like Joe Pavelski, uh, Ben, Sagan, all those contracts will be very hard to move. Pavelski's playing well still for his yeah. age, and I just think you have to trade him while his value's high. But mm-hmm. yeah, pretty, um, pretty meh division, kind of boring right now. But, <laughs> um, yeah, it'll uh it'll pick up soon, but yeah, we'll move over to the Pacific. Uh, Edmonton is making noise in yeah. this one. Definitely. It's um yeah, we got Edmonton first, Calgary second, San Jose third, Anaheim fourth, Vegas fifth, L.A. sixth, Vancouver seventh, and Seattle eighth. Three way tie yeah. for the last. Yeah, Edmonton. I think the I think the real thing is their defense isn't as horrible as we thought. I mean, they've only played eight games, but like yeah. Duncan Keith and Cody CC aren't abysmal. So like we, ex- we expect them to have the worst decor. So the fact that they're just average and obviously their offense is their offense. And I mean, Koskinen's been actually been playing pretty good. So I think they're, they're definitely going to come back down to earth. I think they're like a hundred point team, but it's very, especially while Vegas kind of struggles with their injuries, they definitely need to get a good lead on them for come playoff time to get that home ice. Even Calgary's playing up to par. Markstrom is playing yeah. like he was in Vancouver, and I just mm-hmm. he's even playing better. And I I just I continuously think not to bring it over to Vancouver, but I think Vancouver's Demko and Markstrom. I think that tandem was being slept on for a lot longer than I yeah. think they should have. Uh, I mm-hmm. think they're both top half at least goalies, even like maybe close to top ten goalies in my opinion. Yeah. And, and I think Markstrom's. It's. I'm happy to see that he's playing. He's still playing well, and as an old Vancouver goalie. But man, was I wrong about Calgary? I, yeah, I. I didn't see anything special from them, but they're playing out of their mind right now. Yeah, I thought. I thought they were like pretty average. I think I made an entire video that they like probably should blow it up. It's only, it's only been like seven games, but uh, yeah. I mean, their first line of Gaudreau. Uh, to Chuck, Chuck and uh, Lindholm is absolutely killing it. They're absolute beasts. Uh, the rest of their forward core are kind of eh, but ooh, that's fine. The decor has been solid. And obviously, when you're getting the play that you got from Jacob Markstrom, 
you're going to win some games. Again, I think they'll come back to the earth. I still think they're a 95-ish point team, but they'll probably be fighting with like Vancouver for that third division spot. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll shift it over to Vancouver because this team is pissing me off, man. Yeah. This team is pissing it out, me off. It out. Pedersen looks like a house hockey player in midget. Yeah, dude, I, I drafted him early in, in fantasy. I'm not like, he's got to wake up. He can't skate. He can't stick handle right now. I think the only positives on this team are players that people thought were washed, and that's OEL, um, Tyler Myers, and Connor Garland are probably our best players right now. And Myers, first of all, that hit on Duncan Keith, the opening night. Yeah. Two of those contracts, two of those years, your $6 million a year contract, they're fine now. They're fine. Yeah, you were severely overpaid, but it's okay now. That was a, that was a beautiful hit for the Vancouver yeah. fan base. And he's playing a lot better. I have to admit, he's... Not taking as many penalties. He used to take like three cross-checking penalties a game, and it was like, yeah, yeah he bro, you can't, start, yeah. you can't, you can't be doing that. But he's finally playing well, and he's so much better when he's no more than a second pairing defenseman. If he, yeah, yeah, when you play a guy like that, twenty-four minutes, he, it, the mistakes start to rack up. Penalties start to rack up. Is on a team where he has to be the guy. It's going to not go well, and. Yeah. Now that he's he's a top pairing defenseman with OEL, but the pressure's off him still because he still has Hughes and OEL mm-hmm. to do to, do all the offensive stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he can just stay stay back, be a physical presence on D. He has the long reach and he breaks up a lot of plays, and he just has to push it up ice. That's all he has to do. But I swear to God, if Besser gets another fucking shot blocked, I'm going to lose my mind. I sent a tweet out. Not too long ago, and I said death, taxes, and Besser shots getting blocked because it's just something that happens way too often. And yeah. man, Canucks need to wake up. We just brought in a new power play guy, but he needs to go. We need to. Mm-hmm. Our power play sucks, dude. <laughs> what our is it, like four percent right now or something it's, like nuts? It's so bad. The players just stay stationary in the offensive zone. We can't get into the zone. Yeah, which should it's- be the most important part of a power play. How can oh, no you have doubt. a successful yeah. power play if you can't get into the zone? Mm. So I think we need he needs to go because he's changed nothing. He's changed nothing. But who's gonna take it over? Travis Green? Like I don't know. Bring me in there. I can do something better than what's going on right <laughs> like now. Let the players draw it up. Yeah, I swear. It it's just it's so frustrating. Um and Hughes, his defensive game is better. It just sucks because he's so undersized that he still just gets pushed around and yeah. like it. It makes his That's defense, always going to be a problem, though, yeah. Yeah, it makes his defensive game look a lot worse than it actually is just because of his size. Because how are you going to box out Leon Dreisaitl in front of the net when you're, like, 100 pounds lighter and, like, yeah. almost a four, foot four smaller than him? It's, yeah. it's going to be hard. He's just in a tough position. But I think he's doing well for how he is right now. And, man, OEL, he has the second most shots in the league, which is <laughs> valuable as a defenseman just getting shots through. For tippins, yeah, rebounds. Some been, of them will go in, yeah. Some of them will go yeah. in. He's been playing well, and I've been really happy with this play. And Connor Garland's an absolute buzzsaw. So there's mm-hmm. some bright spots with this team, but man, we're just how are how do we have this much talent? And we're putting up like one to two goals a game. It's yeah, 
Yeah, I, I, I don't say it comes down to one player, but like when you, when you're when a guy that you expect to be a top ten center in the league this year is playing like what like a third line center kind of that, that that's the difference. Like once Pedersen starts going, and I, and I think it has to do with the fact that he 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 wasn't training with didn't he miss yeah. most of training camp. Like it, it's gonna take him a little while. Like you saw it with like I think Mitch Marner after he signed the contract. William Nylander sucked. Yeah, sucked that year. Hopefully, hopefully it won't be that long that it takes him to get back, but. They just need to get him to start cooking, and I think I think they'll be like a ninety-eight point team sneak into the playoffs. I still They're think this down. team can make the playoffs because Demko's been playing awesome. I think yeah. he, in I, in my opinion, I think he's a top ten goalie. Come at me mm-hmm. if you want, but I think he's a top ten goalie. He continuously stands on his head, and if you give this team, if you put Demko on like a Colorado, I think they're making a playoff run. In my opinion, I think he's a solid goalie, continuously slept on. And like this team is talented. They just need to get going. And I think part of the reason is Travis Green because I just think he's constantly just like everything's just not going right. And he needs to make some sort of change. He's playing Garland on the third line, and Garland's been our best player this year. He's playing Hoglander on the third line. And it's just, yeah, it's frustrating. But hopefully, we're, um, get it going soon. Um, uh, I think that's all the notes I have, but, uh, Mike, something we do on the show, time for the press. Yep. Um, good friend of the show, Taryn Caravella. He is a Wisconsin boy, Green Bay Packer fan, but also a Habs fan. Something you don't see often. He asks, what's going on with my Habs? What's wrong with them? And Taryn, to say it short, just about everything. Yeah. Um, but... I think it's just a work in progress and Carey Price will be back soon. Hopefully he kind of gives this team some sort of life, but I think it's just more of a bunch of players need to get going. In my opinion. Yeah. I, I, I think you expected Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki to take that next step. And obviously it hasn't happened. One's in the AHL. One has like three points in nine games. Uh, the D court without Shea Weber is just significantly less. And Jake Allen wall solid. He's been he's actually been pretty decent, but like you need Carey Price. Like Jake Allen and Carey Price is probably a top maybe five goalie duo in the entire NHL. And I mean Tyler Toffoli isn't every other shot going in this season like last. So that also playing, hurts. He's not playing against the Canucks nine times this year. So yeah, exactly, exactly. But uh, they're they're too deep on forward. They'll start scoring. I think they have like the lowest shooting percentage in all of the NHL. But I think they're like at most like a 92 point team. I don't think that they're going to make the playoffs. They're just, they, they don't really have an identity too. last year. Like you had that Tatar Gallagher and Denault, uh, Den- whatever fucking Philly, Philly Denault. D. Uh, yeah. Denault. I always say Denault on actually. <laughs> Denault, like that, that was like their gritty go-to line. And you just don't have that anymore. Shea Weber. It's just, it's just a completely different team taking out like those four guys. Mike. This was a this was a hell of a fun time. Uh, let the people know where they can find you. Just MB on hockey at TikTok, Instagram. I don't have a Twitter yet. I got to get on that. But uh, man, always thank you for having me. More than welcome to come on. Love yeah. chopping it up. It was a fun time. And uh, viewers, sorry for uh, keeping it rushed, but we're on time crunch. And as you see in the title, I don't want to keep this episode so long because two we guests. Got, we got two guests on the show. Uh, Jeff Patterson is going to be coming up soon. I uh, interviewed him before the start of the season. And we're going to talk about 
how the Canucks looked in the preseason and kind of how he made his way through the broadcasting industry. So it was a very fun interview with Jeff Patterson. Mike, thank you again for coming on. This was a lot of fun. Good luck to you in the future, wherever that ends up taking you. And Mm -hmm. I'm sure we'll do this again soon. And everyone, listeners, here is Jeff Patterson. I now welcome on a very, very special guest. He is a beat reporter for the Vancouver Canucks, former co-host of the VanCast with Thomas Drance, and the new co-host of Rink Wide with Andrew Wadden, as well as a full-time Canucks reporter for Sakarison Price. Thank you, Jeff Patterson, for joining me today. Hey, thanks for having me on. So um, how's the Canucks looking these days as a training camp rolls around the corner? Yeah, I think we'll finally start to get some answers once they hit the ice out in Abbotsford for main training camp. But uh, it was good to be back in the rink on Friday uh, for the start of rookie camp. And just kind of that feeling of normalcy again as uh, the calendar tilts. And, you know, we're not going through a training camp in January that is actually September. And they're going to start playing games in October. So, you know, it's still a ton of speculation. And obviously, uh, most of the conversation is dominated by uh, Elias Patterson and Quinn Hughes and whether they're going to be at training camp yeah. or how soon they'll be at training camp. So uh, a little early to be making any sort of uh, proclamations or even projections. You know, I mean, it's one thing to look at the roster they've assembled on paper. I think they are a better team than last year. Uh, they paid a price to make some of those things happen. But, uh, you know, if it's all about uh, winning and, and getting back to the playoffs, then I'm excited. I I legitimately like their forward group. I think uh, Jim Benning made some moves. Again, wasn't a huge fan of giving up a first rounder uh, for the second time in three years, but uh, that's a move he was willing to make. Uh, He's on the hot seat. He knows it, and this team has to get better. And so uh, acquiring Connor Garland, I I really am excited to see Connor Garland join this group. And, you know, we'll see if Oliver Ekman Larson can recapture some of his former form. Uh, Jason Dickinson up front. And, you know, I had a chance to see Vasily Potkolzin for myself for the first time out on the ice. And uh, again, it was one day of a prospects camp. I'm not here to make any proclamations about, uh, you know, this guy being a star and, and, you know, winning rookie of the year, but he looked very much as advertised. So I think there are some real legitimate reasons to be excited about the the hockey club, but it's been a couple of dark seasons and uh, let's hope that uh, they can make some headway uh, because it's just good for the market. If uh, the Vancouver Canucks start to progress and get back to, uh, you know, anything close to what we saw from them in the playoff bubble in Edmonton, uh, a year and a bit ago. Yeah, there's a lot of different opinions on that OEL Garland trade and like giving up the multiple picks, but we offloaded all those contracts and stuff. But the one player I think everyone's excited for is Pod Coles. And then uh, has he looked comfortable amongst uh, the group and just being on NHL ice? Because I know it can be a little bit different overseas and stuff, but uh, has he looked comfortable? Has he been fitting in nice? Again, I took in one day. I have been at this long enough that uh, I'm not going to make any sort of wide sweeping judgments based on you know an hour and a half of uh, an on ice session yeah. with a bunch of other prospects. You know, you have to consider the context that you know Pud Colson spent a couple of seasons in the KHL, the second best yeah. league in the world. He was out on the ice uh, at this Canucks prospects camp with guys that were drafted this past year, uh, like Connor Lockhart didn't play because the OHL didn't play last year. So, yeah. you know, it really is hard to judge and gauge anything. Uh, I, like many others, want to see Pod Colson step in against pros here and guys that have been doing this uh, for a while uh, and other players that, you know, are among the best in the National Hockey League when you look at a Bo Horvat or a Brock Besser and 
you know, again, at some point, Patterson and Hughes are going to arrive on the scene. So I, I think we'll really be able to start to gauge where Pod Colson is in his comfort level uh, when he gets around his uh, his you know his teammates. Because I, I think he's going to make this team. I, I'd be yeah. shocked if he doesn't make the team. But uh, let's give it a couple of days of training camp before we cast any kind of judgment on you know how he looks early in his NHL career. That's a very good point. There's a lot of excitement and a lot to look forward to with this new team. But I have you for a limited time today, and I have I had a couple questions that I wanted to ask you about reporting, broadcasting, the radio industry, because I myself am in the radio arts and entertainment program at BCIT, and I have some curiosity and some, some things to pick your brain about. But to kind of start from the beginning, how did you begin the reporting, radio, broadcasting, like how did you get your foot in the door and like where did it all start? Well, I won't bore you or your listeners slash viewers with the whole life story, but uh, it was something that I wanted to do from a really young age. I grew up in a household where the radio was on all the time and I had this fascination probably when I was eight or nine years old with these voices that were coming out of the radio and, and some of them were talking about sports and I thought, how cool is that? That these guys get to talk about sports for a living and you know, really from that point forward, I kind of positioned myself to do whatever I could to make a go of it and see if I could, you know, be one of those voices coming out of the box in somebody else's household. And uh, sure enough, uh, you know, here I am some 20 years, coming up on 30 years since I went to BCIT. So uh, I've been a bit of a survivor. It has been a bumpy road at times, hasn't always uh, been a smooth progression, uh, but I knew that going in, that this is a tumultuous business that, uh, uh you know, it can be chaotic at times, and I've seen that myself firsthand, uh, but there's been way more ups than downs, and uh, it's been everything that I had hoped it was going to be, and uh, to still get to cover hockey uh, for a living and get paid to do it, and the things that I've been able to do and places I've gone, uh, you know, it, it's been everything that I hoped it would be. So, uh, yeah, from a young age, kind of just tried to figure out uh, stepping stones and the logical progression and, uh, you know, look for opportunities wherever I could find them early on and you need some good fortune and some bounces along the way. And I've had a couple of breaks too. And uh, here I am all these years later, you know, more than 20 years now covering the Vancouver Canucks in this market, which ultimately is what I wanted to do. I'm born and raised in North Vancouver. And so this is home for me and, and uh, have had the opportunity to, you know, be upfront and cover this group and be on the front lines and do all sorts of different things from reporting to hosting to now podcasting. And, you know, I think you have to be able to adapt. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of think that I'm proof of that, that uh, a little bit of a survivor, but at the same time, I've uh, tried to look for ways and trends that the industry is going and, and try to stay ahead of them so that I can stay employed. And so uh, this is a new venture, a new season. And uh, into the digital space exclusively this year, which is fun and really exciting and kind of breathes some new uh, passion into me to uh, you know see how all of this works and and how we can make a go of it and uh, you know not working for one of the big companies anymore. This is yeah. kind of uh, us without a safety net and you no, know, let's go game on. Let's uh, see how all of this unfolds uh, this season. Now, a lot of people who are kind of uh, wanting to pursue this as a career. Uh, that is radio and broadcasting. Some people might have the assumption that you just kind of go to school and the next thing you know, you have a job and you have a career. 
What are some harsh realities that new reporters and broadcasters have to be ready for and accept in order to make it in this industry? Oh, if I'm here giving advice, I would say never say no. And I mean, that's dangerous because <laughs> never say no within the context of uh, opportunities. If somebody asks you, uh, if you're willing to go and cover, uh, you know, whatever the event is, if you're truly passionate, if like that fire burns to make this happen, uh, you know, my first job was in Kamloops and it was on the news side and I was covering school board meetings and regional district meetings and, you know, chasing ambulances around. But any opportunity I had to do sports, I mean, that's where my passion was, but, you know, I knew that it was more important to get my foot in the door, get a job, and from there, uh, try to figure out a way to make sports a full-time thing. And that's ultimately what happened uh, for me. So look for opportunities, look for opportunities that maybe don't exist right now. That's one of the things I think I've done well throughout my career is try to pitch ideas to people in positions of power. Uh, bosses love guys that have solutions. And so yeah. I sort of kind of kept that in the back of my mind always that, uh, hey, like, you know, I would go to a boss and say, you know, you aren't doing anything between three and five on Saturdays on the radio. You know, Saturday is Hockey Night in Canada. You know, the pregame show for the Canucks would start at five, but from three till five, you know, we're running ESPN programming. It's all college football or college basketball in a market like Vancouver. If, you know, the Canucks are playing on a Saturday, like why aren't we talking local and just sort of expand the, the pregame show? And, you know, that was one of the ways that I was able to carve out some more airtime for myself. Uh, hockey games on the West Coast start at four o'clock on Saturdays. And so usually the pregame show would start at five. Well, from four to five, there's usually five or six other NHL games going on. It was a chance to, you know, keep an eye on what was going on around the league. And so I've always tried to be a guy that has looked for opportunities and tried to create some opportunities for myself. And I think uh, it's worked out reasonably well. Uh, but I would be say, be prepared. Like if you are getting into this business and the business has changed a ton since I went to BCIT, yeah. but, but, you know, the, the main tenants are sports is a, a lot of it's at night. A lot of it's on weekends. Like if you think you're getting into this as a nine to five and I've seen people that say, I don't want to work weekends. I don't like working nights. Then get out of it, get out of it. Now it's not for you. Uh, the number of family functions that I have missed over the years, family barbecues, buddies asking me to, you know, go out and do something on a Friday night. Like, sorry, you know, I was serious about getting into this business and there are games being played and, and, you know, you just have to be prepared to sort of take on a whole different schedule that revolves around the schedules of these teams that you're covering. And hockey's always been my first love. And I have tried wherever possible to make that, you know, the main thrust of my job. But over the years, I've covered the BC Lions. I've covered the Vancouver Whitecaps. I have covered other local events on uh, the Vancouver sporting scene. And, you know, you've got to be prepared. If your buddies are all going out to the bar to watch uh, Seahawks play on a Sunday afternoon, like you may have to go cover a practice for one of these teams. And that's your job. And be glad that you've got it. You go do it and do it to the best of your ability. But yeah, I mean, I've missed out on a ton of social functions uh, over the years just because uh, a lot of nighttimes, a lot of weekends, but that comes with the territory if you are truly serious about getting into this as a, a living and you know covering sports. Uh, as your career yeah my when i told my parents that this is something that i wanted to do i started my podcast about a few 
about in November 2020 just to kind of get the nerves off of talking to a microphone to an audience. But my dad said, he's like, you have to be okay that if your only job is up in Merritt or up in Prince George, that you have to be able to go up there and earn your stripes a bit, maybe even for a couple of years, because you you can't expect just to graduate from school and then have a job in the big leagues. Like you have to be able to work for it. So I really like that advice because it's just like, it's a moment of realization that people need to have like, okay, so you have to kind of earn your stripes a bit and it's not going to come easy, but you, um, so you started broadcasting for the, for the Kamloops Blazers and then you ultimately made your return to Vancouver reporting for um, the Canucks and Lions and Whitecaps, like you said, but how did you get involved with uh, Bell Media and kind of reporting under them? Yeah, I mean, I went to UBC. I did play-by-play of hockey and football and basketball at UBC. And, and, you know, again, I gave up a ton of my Friday and Saturday nights to uh, sit in a cold Thunderbird Winter Sports Center or War Memorial Gym. My buddies were all going to frat parties and those types of things. But, you know, and I don't feel like I missed out. I was able to get to my fair share of social events. But my focus in my non-classroom hours at UBC was getting involved in campus radio. That gave me a ton of reps so that when I got to BCIT, you know, I was comfortable in front of the microphone. I was, I felt like I was ahead of my classmates to start and they caught up, but you know, then I got the job out of school. My, and you're right. Like I had classmates that went all over the province. I was fortunate. I got a job in Kamloops and, uh, you know, a year and a bit doing news on weekends and uh, evenings and those types of things. And then one of the big breaks in my career was that the guy that had been doing the Kamloops Blazers had been there for 20 years and he was so good. He got hired by the Winnipeg Jets. He jumped from junior hockey right to the NHL and that job became open. And I used tapes of my nights out at UBC calling Thunderbird games. Um, And, you know, I was fortunate. That was one of the biggest breaks in my career was that I got hired to do play-by-play in the Western Hockey League a year and a little bit out of BCIT, which was incredible because at the time my goal was to be in the Western Hockey League by the time I was 30. And instead I got this sort of break of a lifetime. I think I was 23 or maybe it just turned 24. Wow. I mean, as it, as it turned out, I was out of the Western Hockey League by the time I was 30. So, uh, you know, never like write your plans in permanent ink. You got to be adaptable. Things change, they change in a hurry. And that was an example for me. Uh, anyways, when I decided that it was time to come back to Vancouver and you know, I wanted to work in the bigger market than Kamloops. As much as I enjoyed my five years doing play-by-play, and they won the Memorial Cup the first year I was calling games and, you know, watching Jerome McGinley and Shane Doan and Darcy Tucker. And, I mean, it was an incredible team that won that Memorial Cup. That was the third of the four Memorial Cups they won in the, or sorry, the third of the three Memorial Cups they won in a four-year span. So I kind of caught the tail end of this incredible wave of junior hockey in Kamloops. And, I loved it. I had five years of doing play-by-play. It was awesome. This is sort of just as the internet was becoming a thing as I date myself. But if you can imagine in a city like Kamloops, where the Blazers were a big deal, you'd go out on the road. Like there wasn't a way to follow them when they were away from home on your phone and get live updates. Like if you wanted to follow a team back then, you had to tune into the radio. To, and so I was this conduit to the city that was just passionate about a talking club and 
you know, it was awesome. Like that was a, a total thrill. Every time the puck dropped, you thought, man, like, you know, that there are a lot of people back in Kamloops listening. And that's uh, so why I said, I loved it for every, you know, all five years I did it, but I just kind of felt I was at a point in my life where I wanted to uh, explore some other things and, you know, work at a higher level. I was no different than the junior players. Like junior is a stepping stone. And I kind of felt like I got five years of, you know, it was almost like college experience, even though I'd been to university and, and graduated from UBC, but five years in the Western Hockey League, it was almost like, uh, you know, a university course in hockey and covering hockey and just being around the game uh, day in, day out. And so, you know, again, I got a good break when I left Kamloops. I came back to Vancouver. Uh, the station I grew up listening to, CKNW, I got hired there and got to host Connect Broadcasts pre and post game and go down to the rink on a daily basis and, you know, talk to players and coaches and all that kind of stuff. Uh, that was my first job back in Vancouver. I was hired to host uh, Connect games. And so I, I was with CKNW and Chorus basically for five or six years. And then the rights switched, the broadcast rights moved over to 1040. And I wanted to be part of it. I wanted to be still around the broadcasts and I got laid off. Uh, they shut down. Uh, Mojo Radio was uh, a thing back in the, sort of the early 2000s. And when the Canucks rights left, uh, Mojo Radio was, you know, a sort of fledgling sports station at the time. They shut it down. They laid a bunch of us off. So uh, I went across the street, cold called, just called up the program director and felt that, you know, with my experience and five years in the market, uh, he had an idea of who I was, but I'd never met him before. And we went and had coffee and I was, uh, given an opportunity to do some part-time work. And this is kind of the story of my life is that, you know, once I got a foot in the door, I just did whatever it took to try to continue to build a foothold and, and get more opportunities. And, uh, you know, eventually I was able to work my way back into hosting pre and post game and some talk shows and do fill in and all that kind of stuff on 1040. And so uh, 1040 wasn't owned by Bell back then, but over the course of my time at 1040, uh, you know, Bell took over, and and so I worked at 10:40. It was Team 10:40, then it became became TSN 10:40 from 2006 till 2015 or 16. I guess I was there, and uh, and then experienced one of the great frustrations, not the only one, but one of the great frustrations of my career. I got laid off in 2000, late 2015. Had worked a post game show on a Monday night. And got a call on Tuesday morning that I had to come in and meet with the boss. And it was company-wide. It was, you know, I think there were 400 layoffs that day. But wow. still, that one that that one was crushing. The, when Mojo Radio folded, uh, we could all kind of see it coming. I didn't see this one coming. I thought I was working hard and doing good work. And, you know, you take it personally. But uh, you look around, you see 400 uh, across the, the country. I mean, it really was a head count and they were just trying to reduce costs. And I got caught up in, in all of that. Um, so, you know, that was frustrating. That was absolutely. I mean, more than frustrating. It was, it was crushing because I, I just didn't know at that point, you know, sort of what was next, but as it turned out, you know, the whole thing about one door closes and other opens, you know, that was really the impetus for me to get into podcasting. And, uh, where I said I've tried to be adaptable, like when the idea of somebody suggested a podcast, I, I didn't really know a whole lot about podcasting, but I thought, yeah, I mean, it sounds like the future. Let's give it a go. And, you know, that's where the podcast was born and 
Chase Botford and I uh, obviously got off to a pretty good run and, uh, you know, gained a foothold in the market and, and really developed some some traction. And, and so I've been fortunate that uh, I've been part of a couple of podcasts that have been pretty successful and now branching out into rink-wide. Uh, you know, I'm hoping that uh, we can make it three for three. That's an amazing story. And to follow up on that, not to kind of like add salt to the wound but that's all right um i've, I've lived it i've yeah. talked about it so i don't think there's a whole lot you could say now that uh, would add any salt to this wound so fire away but uh back in february of 2020 after the bell let's talk um tsn radio in canada or like in different regions of canada folded and unfortunately you as well as other veteran reporters and radio hosts were laid off and it was honestly crushing to the city of Vancouver, Hamilton, Montreal. Like there, it was crushing to the entire nation of Canada. But dealing with the layoff, what did you learn about yourself when you over ultimately overcame the feeling and like the hardships of just like the whole situation in general? Well, every time it happens, you sort of step back and you try and take stock of you know, where you are in your career and. You know, do you want to keep going with this? Or is it time, is this the universe telling you that it's time to look at some other line of work? Uh, is there still a spot for me at the at the table, if you will, uh, for media in Vancouver? Is there a job? You know, as I've gotten older, my life situation's changed, family, kids, a mortgage, all those types of things. Ultimately, I, you know, that's my first responsibility is uh, being able to support a family. And so, uh you know, where we talked about the layoff in late February, in late of 2015, you know, I, I, one of the first people to reach out was Jonathan McDonald from the province newspaper. And they wanted to talk to me and see if there was an opportunity to, you know, there was certainly wasn't a full-time job there, but was there a way to uh, bring me into the fold there? And sure enough, like, again, that's where the, the podcast was born and they, you know, offered me the chance to write a Sunday column in a daily newspaper in a major market. Uh, you know, and, and when I look back over my career, I have tried to uh, be open to opportunities. I've tried to be a multi sort of tool guy to be able to write and broadcast and podcast and do video and, you know, whatever the situation calls for, I don't want to be one trick pony because the industry is always changing and evolving. And, and so I've done a fair bit of writing over the years and, they gave me this opportunity to uh, to write. And I guess, you know, one of the real, like, I, I'm so grateful to the province because the podcast was an incredible, incredible project uh, on a professional level, but, you know, personal level as well. Became pretty good friends with Jason right up until his passing. And, you know, we talked about disappointments and, and you know, just and we can go there, but, um you know, I, I, after eight months, I was working in the province and it was almost like 1040 realized what they had let go because then I was able to get back into the fold and then the broadcast rights switched again and went from 1040 to 650. And at that point, 1040 decided that, you know, if they were serious about being all sports in Vancouver, that they wanted a dedicated Canucks reporter. And I got hired back there full time. In fact, 
at a better salary than I had been making before when I was kind of freelancing there. And so, you know, I had this incredible job for three years covering the Vancouver Canucks day in, day out, traveling around North America, going to every city, wherever the Canucks were, I was going to all these rinks that I had watched the Canucks play in over the years. Like it really was the job of a lifetime. And so in February, on February 9th, when they pulled the plug on the station, I mean, personally, massive disappointment because I had this job that I just, it really truly was a dream job. Uh, but also one of the great disappointments was that none of us saw it coming. The radio station had ratings and had sponsors and it was a group. Uh, I'm not sure that 1040 had ever sounded better than it did on February 9th. And yet powers that be way above us on the food chain decided that, uh, you know, for whatever reasons, and they had their reasons, uh, some of it pandemic related, but they were just going to pull the plug. And that rather than looking for solutions and ways to make it more cost effective, then uh, their answer was just flat out, pull the plug. And, you know, we got ambushed. Nobody saw it coming. And all of a sudden, 20 really talented pros and colleagues, but like these are professional broadcasters and some of the best in the business in this market and everybody across the country were all out on the street together. So, you know, there were already very few jobs in radio in Vancouver, and now half of them have been chopped. Like that's a kick in the junk, like just to process that, that now all of a sudden, you know, whatever's next, you're basically scrambling for new opportunities along with people that are your really good friends and people you've worked with for a long, long time. So, you know, it took some time to digest all of that and it wasn't easy. And I went through all of those steps of, you know, do I want to keep doing this? If this is, you know, I've been laid off now twice in a four year span. Like, you know, I was told that there'd be days like this, but I didn't think it would keep happening. And you think you're doing good work and then you're told, well, it's not your, you know, it's, Hey, this isn't personal. This is just the way the industry goes. And so, yeah, I had some sleepless nights, certainly uh, in mid-February there as I tried to figure out what was next. But, you know, what was really reassuring to me was as some of my colleagues started up with digital projects, you know, they all reached out and they said, we want you to be a part of this. Like we, we value your thoughts and opinions and observations on the Canucks. And if we're going to start up, you know, we want you to be central to, to what we're doing. And so whether it was Rob Fay, who was one of the first with the nation doing post-game shows or Donnie and Dolly, and you know, 650 reached out and, and gave me the opportunity to contribute there. And then Sakarison Price told me that, Hey, like, this is our plan. And you're a, you have been over the years, a big part of the show. And if we're going to make a go of this moving forward, that, you know, we want you to be our dedicated Canucks reporter day in, day out, not going on the road the way I was, but uh, still, you know, trying to cover the Canucks and offering up, you know, daily observations and opinions and thoughts. And, and so, you know, again, just as I kind of wondered, like, is there a spot for me in this marketplace that sort of drove home the point that, yeah, there are others that value what you're doing. And, you know, ultimately it turned out that Matt and Blake seemed to have the best kind of role for me uh, to be able to make a living doing what I still love to do. And that is getting down to the rink, being around the team, uh, games and practices. And, and, you know, I'll, I'll be doing some writing as well for their website once the season gets up and running. And so, you know, using all the skills that I've developed over the years, uh, putting them back to good use, uh, 
that's where I said, like my excitement that sort of has refueled my passion that now we're our, our own bosses. You know, sponsors have come on board, listeners, we've been able to bring an audience from 1040. And that's been incredibly, uh, you know, I mean, it's meant a ton to all of us that the audience is there, the sponsors have come with us, but now it's on us. Like, you know, we don't have the backing of a massive telecom like we had with Bell Media. Uh, this is on us. Like, we have to continue to prove that there is value in what we're doing so that the listeners stay with us and then the sponsors see that, you know, this audience is something that they want to reach, that they want to uh, support. And, you know, that's just life in the new world. And we're going to do our best to try to make a go of it here. Uh, now the hockey season has started, you know, all of these projects when, when Bell shut down and or when they shut 1040 down in February, all these other projects that sprouted from the ashes, you know, they launched in the midst of the third wave of the pandemic and with the hockey team essentially finished. I mean, the Canucks were still playing, but the games didn't mean anything. Yeah. So, you know, now we have an opportunity to start from the start of training camp and, you know, hit the ground running with a, a new hockey season and some renewed optimism around this team. And, you know, if there's interest in the team, that's good for all of us in, in this business. So, you know, fingers crossed that uh, planets continue to align that uh, all of these projects uh, won't just survive, but, you know, we'll find a way to thrive and we're about to find out, but uh, I'm excited to be along for the ride with Matt and Blake and everybody else that's uh, behind the scenes there. And, you know, if it doesn't work, I didn't want, February 9th of 2021 to be the end of my career. I didn't want to go out that way. I didn't want Bell to define the way that my career would end. So, you know, this is now on my own terms and and we're going to see if we can't make this thing sing. And and hopefully, uh, you know, there's lots of years, uh, lots of runway ahead of all of us uh, in terms of doing what we love to do on a daily basis. Well, Jeff, this has been awesome. And I'm glad to see that um, after the bell layoffs and stuff that you stuck with it because Canucks Twitter and all that sorts of stuff is much better when you're a part of it. So thank you so much for joining me. Um, last question before you head out, where do you predict Canucks finishing this year? Like in the division or overall? Yeah. Or? yeah in the Pacific division. How do you see him? Um, how do you see the Pacific division shaping out? If they get Patterson and Hughes signed and everybody stays healthy, I mean, there's a few ifs right there, but uh, I think they're improved from last year, as I said right off the top. Like, I, I am legitimately excited about uh, their top nine forward group. I think they should be able to score a bunch of goals. I think their power play should be way better than it was last year. It should be closer to where it was two years ago when it was fourth in the National Hockey League. Uh, I'm a believer in Thatcher Demko, so I think that if he's able to, you know, just deal with everything that goes along with being a, a legitimate number one, over an 82-game season, then their forward group, their goaltending, uh, those look good. I've got concerns, like most people do, about the defense core and, and you know, can it hold up its end of the bargain? Are they going to spend too much time in their own zone as they have the last bunch of years? Or can the forward group help the defensemen? Can Quinn Hughes get back closer to where he was as a rookie as opposed to uh, the way he looked for much of uh, the COVID-shortened season? You know, And, and, and I, I want to believe that OEL is going to regain some sort of form uh, I don't know that he's going to be uh, a top pairing guy, but I think that he can be better than he has been the last couple of years in Arizona. Then, yeah, I think that they can certainly be competitive in the Pacific Division. I, I think Vegas is a lock for one of the playoff spots. I think Edmonton with McDavid and Dreisaitl and some of the moves that they've made there. 
uh, I've got questions about uh, relying on Mike Smith as your everyday goaltender, yeah. but, but you know, he showed pretty good form through most of last year. So let's see if he's anywhere close to that. But I just think that I, I think the Oilers uh, are probably one of the locks for a playoff spot in the Pacific. And then it's pretty wide open. Like I look at Calgary and I thought Calgary was going to blow things up and make a significant move. And, and they didn't, they seem to want to give that core group one more go. So uh, I don't know what to make of the Calgary Flames, uh, you know, losing Mark Giordano. I think that's going to be a loss on the ice and and in the locker room and their leadership group. Uh, and then you look at the California teams, you know, the three California teams. I think Los Angeles is probably ahead of the other two, but are they a playoff team? I don't know. I don't know that they're ready to make that step just yet. And then Seattle's a wild card. I mean, we know the, you know, the way the bar was set by Vegas in an expansion season, I don't think Seattle's going to be able to match that. But I think Seattle's got a team that's going to let you know that you're in a battle every night. I don't think they're going to be a pushover by any stretch of the imagination. And maybe that sort of expansion, us against the world, nobody believes in us. You know, maybe they can channel some of what Vegas had. I don't see a trip to the Stanley Cup final in year one, but uh, maybe they're solid enough to to be a playoff contender at the very least. So, you know, I, I think the Canucks, the path is there, but ultimately it's on them to show up and, and make things happen. And we saw in the bubble, once they got to the playoffs, you know, that was some of the best hockey that we've seen before that yeah. play in a while. Pedersen and Hughes for their first taste in the playoffs. Uh, they passed those tests, certainly. Uh, you know, so I, again, I, I think the Canucks are a better team than they showed. Uh, sort of everything went wrong for them last year. But you can't just sweep that under the rug. There have to be some hard lessons taken. Uh, you know, they need Pedersen back and healthy, and they need him uh, to find a little bit of that PD magic that he showed in the first two seasons of the National Hockey League. And I think it's so important that he gets signed here before, uh, not so much camp, because camp really is three days Vaughn ice. Yeah. But he but he needs some preseason hockey. You saw last year, uh, they didn't have any exhibition games. Nobody did. He got off to a really slow start. And with yeah. the wrist injury, I think it's important that he gets a couple of preseason games in, work off some rust, find his form, and be ready to hit the ground running because they start the season on a six-game road trip. They can't afford to really struggle out of the gates and you know come off that road trip two and four or one and five or something like that. Like they've got to find a way to put some points in the bag early on. It's not the toughest of road trips, Buffalo and Detroit and Edmonton on opening night and, you know, Seattle's home opener. That's going to be tough because uh, I'm sure that place will be going nuts. But yeah, um, yeah I, 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 I don't want to sit here and make any great proclamation that they're going to be a playoff team, but uh, I certainly think the lineup that they can ice if uh, their key guys stay healthy I think that in a watered-down Pacific Division, uh, they certainly should be in the mix for a playoff spot. You know, by the time March rolls around. Now, again, whether they clinch that playoff spot, that's going to be totally up to the players. Uh, but I, I think that there's enough on this roster as assembled that they should be in that playoff discussion as we get to the stretch run, sort of after the trade deadline in the National Hockey League. It's going to be fun, and with the new turnover in this team, I think it's going to bring a lot of excitement to the city of Vancouver. Jeff, this has been very awesome. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, everyone listening, you can find him on Twitter at Patterson, at Patterson Jeff. He's pretty active with daily updates with the Canucks, and you can also catch him, as mentioned before, as the Canucks reporter on Sick Harrison Price, as well as a co-host of Rink Wide with Andrew Wadden. Jeff? Thank you again, and good luck with the rest of the season. All right. Thanks so much for having me on. I just got a let go. 
Went from ducking and fucking and now I got put in the friend zone There's no need for discussion, I just really loved how you get low But I'm dipping, I'm cutting the shorty, ain't worth being ten toes, ten toes I, I just gotta let go, call me a Benzo, pay it all cash, I won't take no rentals, killing my vibe